Well, good evening. Um, if you got Paula's uh, text message this week, you probably got an idea what I'm teaching on. And I'm, I'm actually in the book of James, which I don't think I've ever taught in the book of James in 30 years. But here I am, actually experiencing it. <laughs> so I'm going to read to you the James 1, 2 from a couple of different translations. And we'll talk about what it means to me. Um, this is from the New King James. Uh, I think it was the language Paula used on the flyer she sent out. It says, uh, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And the Amplified it reads a little different. It says, Consider it holy joy. My brethren, whenever you're enveloped, um, in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. And in the Passion, of course, I have to read from that. I love that translation. By the way, the um, Genesis, the book of Genesis just came out. I got my copy today. It's really good. Anyway, this is James 1, 2 in the Passion translation. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. When I read this a few weeks ago, I, um, I didn't receive it well. I wasn't in a place where I could hear something about joy coming through difficulties. You know, when you're in the difficulties, it doesn't feel real joyful. But this, he's setting the stage here for us to look at this differently. In fact, to me, when I first read it, it sounded like a recipe. Well, you know, here, to equal parts add pain and depression and isolation. Stir in a little faith in here. In 30 minutes, you've got a cake, you know. And I'm going, yeah, and I'm sorry about my <laughs> attitude on that, but I wasn't in a good place for about two months. I was going through some really difficult things. And so I tried to read this message and really grasp it, but I was having a lot of trouble. So I went back read it out loud, and it just seemed hollow and cliched to me. To be sure, there was something that was missing in my experience in the moment because I was not in a good place emotionally. Is it okay to just be real and talk to them about this? Because um, something was missing. The experience did not cause me joy. But the, the statement must be true. Because there's so many people in the Bible who have said it in different ways. There's James and Peter and Paul and John, and Jesus said it in John. Um, I'm going to read, and David said it in the Psalm. In Psalm 5, he said this, But let them all be glad, those who turn aside to hide themselves in you. May they keep shouting for joy forever. Romans, um, and Paul said this in Romans 5, he said, even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop us in, a, in us patient endurance. It's the same message. John 16, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress frustrations, but be of good cheer, parentheses, take courage, be confident, certain, 
undaunted. These are really positive words. He says, take a hold of these things, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. What can I say? If I'm honest, I would admit that I believed that message in my head, but my heart wasn't experiencing, and I couldn't get to joy. I was stuck in the place where I said, I agree with that, it must be true, but I am not doing well. And I um, <laughs> felt like I wasn't much of a man of faith, but I found I was still suffering from this loss I experienced. And I knew it was because one day I realized I was feeling really, really depressed. I felt exhausted. I just wanted to isolate and avoid people. I wanted to binge Netflix and YouTube for days, and so I did. <laughs> I, was, I disappeared and just um, didn't engage. I had pulled away. So I started thinking, okay, Lord, I, I, um, how, tell me how this works, this passage here that says, consider it all joy. How does that, how do you make that happen? Tell me one more time how people get through circumstances that are so painful and disappointing to another place that has joy. Anybody interested in this process? Let me share with you what I've come to believe. I'm not through all of this, but I believe this is the way. So the verse that immediately came to mind was this passage in James, and so I read that. And, but I went back and read it in some other translations. I was trying to understand. I just kept looking at it from different perspectives, trying to get a hold of what it was telling me. There had to be something in there that I could use, that I could get my hand on and hold on to. And so I read that um, in the Phillips translation. Have you ever heard of the Phillips translation? It's an older translation, and it's paraphrased, but it's really good. This man is long since deceased. But this is how this reads in the Phillips translation. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. That helped. That helped. So, but I, I thought, that just sounds crazy. Why would in the midst of pain would you welcome this problem as if it were a friend? And say, so glad you're here. Welcome into my home, you painful disaster. <laughs> and, I, and so I thought, yeah, I believe this, but I, I really need to get, my, get it in my heart, Lord. I need more. Aren't these things just from the devil? Aren't these occurrences and situations and things that happen to us that are so painful? Aren't they really just something from hell? Well, some are, to be honest. And I do resist them. But there's something else going on that's not of the enemy. There's something in this message that brings me through, if I can get a hold of it, to a place of joy. So, you see, my immediate reaction was to run from the pain. I, I have all my life. When I was a young man, I, I drank myself into oblivion. Then I turned to drugs. It was always some escape. When I was in ministry, it was just striving more to be a spiritual man. And, uh, and so that's still my, kind of my de default, is to avoid pain. I think it's a natural thing, but there's got to be a better way. There's got to be something more. 
for a Christian. Wouldn't you agree? I, I, I looked in my journal, and there was a note to myself. It says, note to self. God is doing something in the background of your pain. And it's my job to wait with him. Not for him. To wait with him. Well, he brings it to the foreground for a better examination. So how do I do that? How do I wait with God, get hold of what he's doing in my life, and engage that in a way that's transformational, that changes me into a man of joy in the midst of difficulty? James gives us a clue in the next verse. He wrote, um, realize that these trials and tests they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. So there's an examination that takes place of where you really are, and there's a movement forward when you involve God in the process. Why would God need to test my faith? It's not for him. He knows exactly where I am. Obviously, the problem is here is that I'm not sure where I'm at. And it is revealed in difficulty and circumstances. My true condition. And I don't, I don't mistake this test as the kind of thing that disqualifies me or, or rules me out of God's plan. I don't see that as, well, Bob, you just failed it and you screwed up and you're just not going to make it, son. These things were meant for us to look at the situation to realize that we have nothing in ourselves that would move us forward and grow unless God shows up. And we wait for him there in the midst of our difficulty. James is basically saying when problems come, we should stop and actually consider what they're there for. And there's something hidden there that when we discover it, will bring joy. Is that what he's saying? Is that what you read? I remember a quote from a man I read 30 years ago, I think. His name was Francis Frangipane. You probably never heard of him, but I remember this quote, and I wrote it down, and it's still on my, one of my browser things. It says, you never fail one of God's tests. You just keep taking it until you pass. But he didn't stop there. He said, every test is an open book test. You can go to the Bible and find the answer for every problem, and if you have trouble finding it there, you can ask the teacher. I thought, this, is, this would be good for me to go ask the teacher because I'm not finding it in the Bible. I need some interpretation by the Holy Spirit that brings something besides disappointment. So it would seem there are no failures in God's kingdom, only do-agains. Don't you love that? I get to do it again. He's not frowning. He's not walking away. He's not disappointing. He says, let's try that again, Bob. Let's try that again, Bob. He used to say, let's make another lap. Uh, you'll see the same signs. We'll come back to the same place, and you can try it differently. But he's always there to encourage us. Uh, I, it was at this, this point I began to ask the Holy Spirit, I, I absolutely can't move through this without some sense of, of revelation, some new information or understanding that I don't have. And this when the Lord reminded me of a teaching I used to do. And you guys remember this if you've been through recovery program with me or if you've been in any teaching I've done. And this is called the STAR program or process. And it's, it's um, something the Lord gave me years ago. And he reminded me of that. And he said, this is, this is the way forward, Bob. 
And you'll find that this is scriptural, and you'll find it in a number of men's writings, but I want you to remember this S-T-A-R, what it stands for. It stands for stop. Stop. If we are in a circumstance and we are afraid or we're befuddled, is that a good word these days, or disoriented or afraid, just shut down, whatever the situation is, as soon as you recognize, you become aware, the key is to stop. What does this mean? I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to stop right here because I can't move forward. There's nothing ahead of me that looks good, and I don't know how to traverse this territory. So I stop. That's what the S is for. The T stands for turn. When the Lord showed me, he said, Bob, you're looking, you're, you're looking at the problem, and you don't see me in it. You're looking at it in your own ability and strength, and you are overwhelmed, and you need to stop and turn to me. Take your eyes off of that and turn to me and ask me. S-T-A-R. Stop, turn, and ask. And ask me what I know about this that you don't know. What do you need to know to understand this so that you can R, respond? So this has worked for me, and it's worked for all my recovery groupies for years because most of the people who came through the recovery program only about half of them are even saved and for them to begin a journey with god was they needed something simple they could get hold of and understand so they could begin this to articulate to the sun seeing god some verbiage that would produce something in their walk while holding his gaze i ask him what he wants to show me about the situation when I'm looking for nothing more than relief, which is what I'm looking for immediately, God is looking for something much greater. He has in mind something that will be accomplished in this moment that will be life-changing for me. Usually his plan is not to remove me from the pain, but to help me come through it. And he promises me that he'll be with me in that process. I'll read it to you in a minute. But let me finish up James here. This is the third and fourth verse that follows. It says, but let the process go on until endurance is fully developed, and you will find you have become men and women of mature character. So this is about a process. So what is a process? What is a process? Look at that in a second. What is the goal of this process that God has? What is he trying to do to get me from here to here? From A to Z. There's some B, C, Ds in there, isn't there? These are the moments where I move from step to sequential step in this process. And the goal is that I would become mature. I would become complete and whole. Some translations use the word perfect. But that's in the wrong context. It's not that I'll be perfect. I'll be perfected. I'll be completed and become more whole. And in the ultimate analysis, when I go to be with the Lord, I'll be like his son Jesus. Maybe not in this life, but I'm moving toward that goal. In other words, this process of testing our faith actually produces something. If I will let it. If I include God in this process, 
something can happen that couldn't happen on my own. The Greek word for this process is the word metamorpho, which immediately, what do you think of when I say that? Metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is the process of transformation from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. So there's some steps to this change. They're incremental, and everything doesn't happen at once. It happens step by step by step. And it only happens when the catalyst is just right. That's me and the problem and the Redeemer. And without him, I don't go anywhere. When he shows up, he brings everything that's necessary for me to be transformed. Does that make sense? Let me talk about this a little bit. Actually, Romans 12.2 uses the word transformation to describe this process. We're actually changed in our inner man through the process or distinct stages of patiently enduring the circumstances with God. A remarkable change happens within us as we patiently endure these moments with God. I've said that how many different times? I'm trying to make a point. When God calls us to be with him in our situation, he brings the necessary components and power and ability to actually change us and process us into something we weren't when we came into that problem. And he's promised to do that if we will engage with him. If we'll invite him into that problem, he will be the solution. Why is, why is endurance so important in our journey? Why would that be a goal that we would set, that this patient endurance would be the thing we hope for? Because endurance produces something in our hearts called hope. And hope gives birth to joy. In the, in the development of this thing, if we endure, and we learn to endure not begrudgingly, but patiently, with God, we began to come into a place of hope and eventually into a place of joy as we understand a kingdom perspective on this. So how does this process of transformation work, you ask? And everybody always does. It's one thing to talk about, hey, that's a neat idea, but how in the world would I ever engage that process? What's my part and what do I need to do to make this thing actually work? Because I want you to know, this is the maturity process of Christianity. And it only happens when we're under pressure. It never happens when we're successful, have you noticed? Or have you been successful? <laughs> when I was successful, I was rocking and rolling, everything was good, and Jesus, you know, he was good. And, and, uh, but when the times came where I was challenged in those beliefs, the true Bob really came out. God would meet me there and say, what do you think? So this process, it's a series of actions or steps, just like a metamorphosis. It, it, we engage this, these steps that take us where God wants us to go. Second Corinthians, this is the, the, one of the first verses I ever memorized as a Christian. I was in a little, was it Christian Reformed Church? And they said, are we going to start memorizing verses tonight? And I said, I don't even know what being saved means. I said, it's okay, just memorize this verse. I said, okay. So it says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. 
Yep, this is a different verse than I, I thought it was. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18, not, not 10.13. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured. It's the same process language, the same transformational language. We're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one bright glory to another. These are the segments or sequence of this change from glory to glory to glory. And this glorious transfig transfiguration comes from where? From the Lord. It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It doesn't come from me trying harder, reading more Bible verses, praying harder, or acting better. It comes when I wait with the Lord and He changes who I am. You get it? This change doesn't... Um, I, actually, our job here is to partner with him. And for me, it means to refuse to disappear from the scene. It means to not run away and hide in my basement. It means to not binge watch television or become distracted from the process. But it means for me to wait with him. James continues in verse 12 down the way just a bit. He says, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the unfolding blessings of God. So there's a promise here that if we will continue in this and stay with the process, that in the end there's a blessing from God. And then he closes in this particular passage with true happiness, or we'll say joy comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. So here's the verse I was thinking about a while ago, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. See, all the, all the trials and tests of life come to us with a promise. There's both a promise and a provision, Graham Cook would say. When you enter into the problem, Look for the promise, and attached to the promise is provision. You need to tuck this away for later, and I'll read this verse to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We all experience times of testing. All means all, <laughs> which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial. He'll modify it to fit your unique moment and who you are and what is being brought forth so that it actually brings out the very best in you. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape. Not a way to run away, but a way through that will bring you out of it victoriously. So as we look at this thing, we have what we know to be a promise. It was written by a number of different authors that difficult times are coming to every human being on this planet. You're one of those people. And when you come to a place that's very trying, it's a trial or a temptation or a struggle and you're stuck and you've begun to fall into your old survival mode. We all have them. When you do that, remember this. Stop. Turn 
and ask God what's going on and what you need to do. And stay there until he gives you the ability and the power to respond. I, I read ahead in the book, and I know the ending, and it's in the book of Revelation. And for years I read this and just didn't get a hold of it because it sounded like I needed to try so much harder. But understanding that this process is all in God's hands, it's his grace and his love that brings us through, it reads differently. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, because you've passionately kept my message of perseverance, because you've endured, because you have hung in there and refused to quit, and you waited with me, I will also keep you from the hour of proving that's coming to test every person on earth. If we'll hold on and we'll press into this and wait with God and allow him to move us from glory to glory in our development and becoming like Christ, he says in the end, your test is done. When everybody else enters into theirs on that final day, all you have is a ticket to enter. But he says, I come swiftly, so cling tightly to what you have so that no one may seize your crown of victory. Hold on to the promise and don't let go. You with me? Persevere and endure. For the one who is victorious, now who is the one who is victorious? The one he just talked about. The one who has persevered and endured and refused to quit and give up just because circumstances were difficult. He says to them, I will make you to be a pillar in the sanctuary of God, permanently secure. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, descending from my God out of heaven, and I'll write my own name on you. Don't you want that? Let me pray for you. So Father, I just believe this is such a significant lesson that we need to learn. And I know that because I, I talk to people all the time who are in the same place where there's something they're in the midst of that's just absolutely death-defying. The circumstances are just heavy. and The burdens are just too much. And so many times, Lord, our knees buckle. And we need to know that we can stop and turn to you. And that if we learn this message, it can become our default behavior. We can automatically, in our thinking, respond instead of react. Lord, we can begin to move into a place of waiting with you, having you come and to view you and have you imprint your image on our heart. And I pray for these people tonight, myself included, that we would engage you in this in such a way that it would change us and it would change our world. In Jesus' name, amen.